0: Hello, I'm Mark Geary, and I am the arbiter of all that is humorous. This is a podcast called You Think That's Funny. That is either a question or an accusation, depending on your approach to it. For matters discussed in this issue, please go to youthinkthatsfunnypodcast.com, where you will find links relating to the things we discuss. On this week's show, we have Bridget Ronan. Let me give you a quick internet bio of Bridget Ronan. (laughs) Bridget was born near Chicago in the late 1900s. Her humor writing has appeared in McSweeney's Internet Tendency. She studied theater at Vanderbilt University and received an MFA in creative nonfiction at Oregon State University. She currently lives and works in New York, New York. Hello, Bridget.
1: Hi, Mark. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here.
0: Great, great. And just a quick disclosure for those listening: I have known Bridget now for over seven years, and met through her late lamented brother Dan, who was a genius cast member here at the Lincoln Lodge. How are we doing, Bridget?
1: Doing great, Mark. Uh, very excited to to talk about what I think is funny with you. Um,
0: and you said for what match are we? Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, I forgot the match. So we are an 80% humor match. So, so okay. we're pretty much in sync. Sorry. Yes. Pretty I it.
1: good. It's it, okay. I just really wanted that number established
0: <laughs> up front. <laughs> we want that out there for, for it's, it's kind of a badge of honor, right? To, to humor match with Mark Geary. I yeah. need to
1: know about this 20% that I'm yeah. missing
0: out on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll get to the 20 then. We'll get to the 20. It's a, it's a high okay. match, I'll say that. All righty, cool. All right. So we're going to skip uh, merrily through your things that are funny. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to set up the first one. Actually, no, you can set up the first one. Movie sequel titles. What's funny mm. about them to Bridget Ronan?
1: So, movie sequel titles have long been um, a favorite of mine. Um, I would say, if I could have a like a dream job scenario, it would be writing movie sequel titles. Um, that would be the job exclusively. Like, I wouldn't have anything else to do with the movie. They would just send me the specs and say, like, I need you know 10 to 20 sequel title ideas by the end of the day, and that would be the whole job. Um, so I, I've always been a fan of like kind of the range you get with movie sequel titles. Like you have kind of the, um, the straightforward, um, you know, just attitude to the end of the original title. Um, I feel like there's like a certain serene sort of confidence to that yeah. type of sequel title. That's, like kind
0: of, that's kind of like a very, I would say a 70s, 80s thing though, right? Cause they kind of stopped doing it. I was thinking when, when you mentioned it, I was like, yeah, they just used to throw a number on the end, blase. Like here it is. Yeah.
1: We throw a number at the I mean Scream Two, of course, would be would be a classic. Um we also have Shrek two and Paddington two as more more recent examples. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: but then in addition to just adding a two to the end of a title, we can go for just making the title plural. So, best example of that would be Aliens, um, which is an incredible sequel. Um, mm-hmm. Or if you take the original title's adverb and make it a comparative adverb, like with Die Harder, um, that that's a good one. That's one of my favorites.
0: Yeah, I like Dom and Domera as well because it's just it's, um, it's yep. perfect. Oh, I branding. forgot about that one. Yeah.
1: <laughs> just add an ER to the end or but- add an S, and you've got your title.
0: Oh, what was the one? Oh, there was a tagline. It was like more something, more something, right? Mm-hmm. There was one that had that.
1: Oh, yeah. Taglines are fun, too. I feel like, it, you know, with the dream job scenario, if I also could work on taglines, I would be open to that. Um, but mostly the titles. Huh. Um, in terms of, uh, like, best sequel titles of all time, um, from a technical perspective, I would say it's hard to beat. Too fast, too
0: furious. Yeah. Um, I think
1: we'll always kind of be chasing that one. Um, but my personal favorite would be Gremlins Two the New Batch.
0: Well, that's a favorite film of mine. Yeah. Gremlins is my oh. favorite ever film and Gremlins' Oh really. T- oh yeah. Oh, Gremlins for me is like the high. I, we should explain to our audience, this is not something I know about you. You are absolutely avaricious in the watching and consuming of movies, right? Yes,
1: absolutely obsessed with movies. Um And once from a young age, I would say movies were really uh, my first love um, in the arts. And um, my brother Dan and I were both just huge movie watchers growing up. Yeah. Um, gremlins growing up. Unless it was a big one for a while. Um, I feel like as as kids, we would get hooked on a movie and watch it every day for two weeks. Yeah. I I don't know why kids do that.
0: I had that compulsion as well from an early age. Like um, the reason I love Gremlins is, is uh, when I went to originally see it, the it was on a double bill with Back to the Future because they both came out the oh, same wow. Christmas. And so there's your dream double bill for a start, right? But um, yep, the absolutely. whole, the entire school seemed to have bunked off that day, and literally. <laughs> the whole theater theater was just packed with kids from my school and it was and it was like the scene in gremlins when they're all in the theater you know and it's just like anarchy and it just oh my god if i ever want to like get myself out of depressive funk i think of that four hours in that cinema as just being like i was never happier which, oh,
1: that's so beautiful. <sighs>
0: yeah, yeah. I wish
1: I could have seen that in theaters. That's amazing. What year would that have been? Gremlins? Wait, was this Gremlins or
0: Gremlins 2? The first Gremlins would have been 85. 85, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. I think it was eight. Yeah, 85. Yeah, yeah. You can still see Gremlins in theater at Music Box um, in Chicago. Yes. They, they do. In fact, I took a certain young Dan Ronan to uh, the Gremlins. Uh, gremlins oh, really? die hard well I say I took him I invited him and then he didn't reply and then when the lights went up at the end I saw him sitting at the front with his mate <laughs> so we watched it oh together God. but not together anyway uh so oh that's my gosh that's amazing movie sequel titles um yeah, yeah. that's a good one mm-hmm. and yeah you 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 would have to get you would probably have to apply to like the wayans brothers or whoever it is that cranks out the uh the two fasts right to get that dream job
1: yeah absolutely i, I have I, to work on that
0: I feel like the new Millennium one is the, you get the original movie title, you throw a colon at the end, and then you do the next chapter name, right? Like, that's the Avengers thing.
1: Oh, yeah, with Endgame. That's
0: like the latest in sequel naming technology.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, we also got, um, I would say, like, the bleakest movie sequel title of all time is Wall Street Money Never Sleeps. Oh,
0: God. Mon- I mean, who... Uh, my- they did a lot of... It's a real bummer. It's a real bummer. <laughs> Money never sleeps. Oh, my God. But the guy who created the sequel title did sleep, evidently, after about yeah. two minutes. Anywho. Um,
1: oh. oh, another good one. Um, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. Oh. So it's Mamma Mia colon, Here We Go Again. That and is- it's like that... All the stars aligned
0: on that one. Yeah, that's a genius one. Absolutely. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's
1: brilliant.
0: Sadly, the film was not. But anywho, let's continue because <laughs> this is the one I'm. This is the one I'm really excited about. Um, Uh-oh. Uh oh. Because this is young Mark coming to America. So you've got. Um, I'll I'll talk this one out and then you finish it. Okay. This the, the theme restaurant zenith of the nineties early. 2000 and most specifically Mars 2112 at Woodfield Mall in Schaumburg please explain mm. that because I got thoughts on this one.
1: Oh my gosh so um this one is really special to me um you know growing up in the 90s of course uh Rainforest Cafe was was a really Special place, that I mean, I only went a handful of times. That was definitely a you know a special occasion restaurant. Um, but when this new restaurant Mars Twenty One Twelve came to Woodfield, that was um, that was in the year two thousand, actually. Apparently, you know, unbeknownst to me at the time, there was one in Times Square, in New York. Um, I didn't know anything about New York at the time, um, other than what I'd seen in uh, Home Alone Two. So um, when Mars 2112 came out, the Chicago Tribune ran a special feature on this restaurant, and I was completely outer space obsessed, um, as was my brother, and we got really, really, really hyped up about this restaurant. <laughs> um, when you arrived. so it was it was a big deal. We went out there one day. It was far from you know it's a long drive um, from where we grew up. So um, you get there. And there is a flight simulator that you go through that actually takes you to the main dining area. Um, I might be misremembering this a little bit, but I remember the flight simulator getting us in. And then you're in this this universe um, in which we have like rust colored foam boulders and all the servers are wearing, you know, futuristic like martian gear um the menu was incredible I definitely ate chicken tenders because that's what I (laughs) ate at every restaurant um
0: were they called like martian tenders or (laughs) Uh,
1: most likely yeah I actually took a look at the menu um I found the menu online and the menu itself is wildly inconsistent um some of the foods have space themed names Um, Like we've got Starfield Salmon and Terrestrial Tilapia, Magellan Mozzarella Stick, Cosmic Chaos Cheesecake. Uh, But then you get to the vegetarian section of the menu and they just completely gave up. We have vegetarian sandwich and eggplant (laughs) lasagna. So, um, yeah, the menu, I get a huge pick out of the menu. Looking back, I just remember it being this like just awe-inspiring, like all-encapsulating experience. Hmm. And I really wish I could go back. It is no more. Um, it closed in two thousand
0: one. Yeah, and it was like two thousand one. Aptly enough, is when is when the space restaurant died, which is weird. It seems yeah. like too big to fail, right? How did that just right? Maybe it was right? run by gangsters or something. I mean, how, that oh. that restaurant could not fail. So, did you go? Let me ask you this: Did you go there as kind of like a, as a as a fan and was like oh this is going to be awesome or were you going there as kind of a cynical teenager like oh my god this is going to be so bad we're going to laugh about it like because because uh, you've got it in your lap like what was the attitude going in
1: That attitude was extremely earnest like yeah. this is going to change my life i wasn't yeah i was <laughs> how old was i um i was probably uh like 12 13 i was not yet oh, in like yeah. a I wasn't, I wasn't quite at the age where I was self-aware, you know, or, or yeah. like would have been self-conscious. Like yeah. I, we were just like unabashedly excited.
0: Yeah. The joy, um, of, the, what joy about you? the joy of life had not been, uh, extinguished from you at that early time. Exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. We had a great time. It was the best. There was a laser yeah. show. Um, wait, did you, did you go to theme restaurants? You were saying this was like well, your, your intro to the US part? Well,
0: I mean, when I came to, when I left England, England was still very sort of drab post-Thatcher-esque. So in England, you had uh, a fish and chip shop which I don't know if you've ever been to England you've seen them. There's nothing Hollywood about a fish and chip shop, trust me. And uh, <laughs> McDonald's was... I remember when McDonald's opened and people would flock to it as this amazing American thing that seemed optimistic oh and God. upbeat. <laughs> and then mm. when I came to America, it was the first time I saw a food court. I'd never seen one of those before. But um, oh, coming wow. coming from a small village to a big city... I used to go to Planet Hollywood every week. Like, it was a thing to do. Yeah, oh my God. To sit underneath... Arnold Schwarzenegger's jacket and Eater uh, eat cheeseburger it just seemed like oh so God. glamorous and American. Um, but I did them all. I mean, you know, you remember you're talking about Chicago in the early 2000s. So yeah. you've got the Planet mm-hmm. Hollywood. I never did like Rainforest Cafe for whatever reason. We what? did we did DeBevick's, again, just too American to to not mm. enjoy it. I used to take every English person to DeBevick's and not tell them you know the the hook kind of thing and just see but the problem is, is oh my en- god the problem is english people are so rude anyway that they didn't even like see it as funny they were just they were just like oh this is like every restaurant i've ever been in in england
1: oh my god <laughs> i forgot about it that one that's a real throwback
0: um went that to was J-
1: like a kind of shocking like fun yeah
0: yeah we went to jordan's but that was really boring i don't know if you ever went to jordan's
1: i never went there
0: yeah it was just like trying to be a restaurant you know mm-hmm. and uh mm-hmm. they didn't really have to try hard the best 90s uh the 2000 they <laughs> so when my dad visited me i took him to new orleans because i thought he might like New Orleans because it's still got character and grit and everything. Mm -hmm. We, and they, you know, they always say you can't go wrong with New Orleans food, right? It's like amazing. We went wrong. We went wrong in every conceivable way. We didn't eat one decent meal in four days in New Orleans. And the best one of the whole lot, we went, me and my (laughs) 60 year old dad went in the fashion cafe (laughs) which was the one... Oh, my God. Yeah, it had a fashion cafe. I've still got... I used to collect matchbooks, and I've still got fashion cafe matchbooks. Uh, uh, no. Uh, I
1: never went.
0: Well, Naomi Campbell was not in there that day. In fact, no one was mm. except me and my dad eating horrible food <laughs> and oh, thinking, wow. thinking, why are we in the fashion cafe? And <laughs> that's... I mean, that's just... Uh, I always remember that from New Orleans because, you know, New Orleans has got like 87,000 famous old restaurants. <laughs> we were just like, oh, this one yeah, looks uh, cool. Like it's hard to miss. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to miss. And then being a Chicagoite, did you uh, did you do the Bubba Gump on um, Navy Pier? Because I've never been in that one. And you that's know, a survivor. I,
1: I, I feel like I went as as a teenager or maybe as an early 20s something and I can't I can't really remember it very well yeah. um that I mean I went to Navy Pier many times loved Navy Pier um but but only ate at Bubba Gump maybe like once hmm.
0: yeah I just I've never been in that one and it, it seems to survive but I mean how is it not going mm-hmm. to on Navy Pier so I guess I don't know oh right, okay right well, um, so, yeah, I was I was kind of thinking you were going around these as a cynical teenager laughing at them all. But it, you, No, you were, no, you I just loved it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. All right, so we, we're going to come to one that hasn't come up yet, and, and we've done quite a few episodes now, so I'm excited for this one. Um, the Far Side comic, that seems too old for a, a, young, a young lass like Bridget to get into <laughs> at an early age. So what's going on there?
1: Yeah, you know, I um I should have asked my mom, because I, I honestly cannot remember why we had the Farside collections, um, but we had, I think, at least two or three collections at home um, that I was, you know, I was trying to remember the other day, like, where that even stemmed from. But I do remember from a pretty young age, you know, probably five, six years old, um, just, you know, laying, laying on my stomach on the floor on the weekends, looking through the far side. And I think initially, you know, you're reading it when you're that young. I think I initially was just kind of enjoying the pictures and like not trying to think too hard about what anything meant. And then, you know, got to an age where I was trying to figure out like what made these like comics funny. Um, Yeah. It was just very, pervasive. Um, We read The Far Side all the time. Um, One one of the ones that's always really stuck in my head is the one where the guy is leaving a restaurant bathroom and over the doorway as he's exiting the bathroom, there's a flashing sign that says, didn't wash hands. (laughs) I remember that kind of haunting me at restaurants being like okay better wash my hands cuz there might be some sort of some sort of like alert outside the door telling everyone else I didn't wash my hands. Uh-huh. Um or another another really good one was the um the ketchup bottle horror movie. It's a bunch of little ketchup bottles in the audience at a movie theater watching a horror movie in which another ketchup bottle is broken open and the dad ketchup bottle is what is he saying? He's He's like, don't worry, that's not real catch-up to his son. <laughs> <sense. laughs>
0: wow, you really got a hold of some of these at an impressionable way. Uh, yeah, yeah,
1: I was digging, I was digging. Um, but that's one of those, um, I haven't thought about it for a long time, but I um, I just read The Far Side a lot. We were really into comics. I mean, Calvin and Hobbes as well, some um, Foxtrot, uh, definitely read the comics. Every day in the Chicago Tribune. Um, but the far side, I would say, is is one that I think has maybe a, a, a great influence on me without me even really realizing it until recently. Mm-hmm.
0: I actually, I, so I did a. a, a far Side was late for me, obviously coming to America uh, in yeah. the late '90s. But I, I did so. I was doing some research today, and it's a, it only came out last week. There was almost a live action movie version of Far Side. Oh, really? Yeah, and there's pictures of people dressed looking like the characters in the thing and it, it's just oh like oh my gosh I, I remember though i'm kind of glad it didn't get made because i remember yeah. the onion had a live action movie and it was one of the worst things i have ever seen i mean the just onion did? the onion had a live action movie that is so abysmal you wouldn't even believe how bad it is so it's good that far side never made it because i I think it would have just been the same you know what i mean yeah that was just an interesting thing i mean that's literally broke last week but you can see the pictures online of it and then uh, that's crazy yeah um yeah i i mean maybe they'll get some footage. I, I don't know if they just did screen pictures right because that's how mm-hmm. you start a movie but anyway we we, we <clears> can digger on that on that but there was another yeah. thing um so i was looking at some you know interesting gary larson facts and there was this thing uh, this is uh this will certainly appeal to fans of high humor um um <laughs> The, uh, Gary Larson once had to was asked to write a press release explaining one of his cartoons oh that nobody got. Um, Which it was one? It, it said, uh, it was a picture of a cow, inevitably, and it was a cow with some tool presenting an assortment of low tech gadgets she's built. It says here, and the, t- the caption just simply read, cow tools, and no one <laughs> got the joke. Um, uh, it was, they bombarded people saying, what the hell does this even mean? And Gary Larson released an official statement that came out in all the papers that said, the cartoon was meant to be an exercise in silliness. Larson goes oh on to say, God. I regret that my fondness for cows combined with an overactive imagination may have carried me beyond what is comprehensible to the average far side reader. So he was clearly incensed about it because he, he was insulting his own oh readers. And, but that's hilarious to me. It's like America is People so mad. Yeah, uh, we don't understand this, but it's like it's <laughs> surreal humor, for God's sake. Ah, uh, hilarious oh, wow. to me hilarious to me that he had to do that all right wow. okay so let's uh let's let's move on a little bit here and we're gonna mm-hmm. talk about because it's british i'm gonna dwell on this one for two minutes <laughs> but but kick, kick me off, Christine Producer, if I get too bogged down in it. <laughs> so one of your uh, selections was Sally Forever, which is my my mm. favorite comedy of, of probably last year or was it the year before, starring Julia mm. Davis. I mean, to me, that takes the sort of uh, uncomfortableness element to even way past Larry David and Curb to another oh, yeah. level. Mm-hmm. So so what is it with Sally Forever that's got you?
1: Oh, man, this one really took me by surprise. This was my introduction to Julia Davis. I wasn't really familiar with her, and I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it. Um, and I was thinking about it, trying to figure out what I loved so much about that show. And um, I was thinking about the difference between watching live comedy versus watching a comedic movie or show. And, um, you know, watching a live performance is very much like, to me, like watching a a high wire act. Um, It's very anxiety inducing in a fun way, but I get really anxious when I'm watching live comedy because it can fail at any moment. It can go (laughs) horribly wrong at any moment. and, it, you know, it's, it's always such an experiment. Yeah. Um, I think that that sort of anxious viewing experience is really, really hard to capture that. That like thrill is really hard to capture in um, film or television comedy. Um, and that's not to say that, you know, movies or, or TV comedy is inferior. It's, I feel like it's just a different sort of enjoyment that I derive from them. Yeah. So um I think Sally Forever was one of those rare instances in which I did get that anxiety or thrill from watching the show that I get from watching live comedy because oh. it was so far out there. I mean, it's you know, she's she's fearless yeah. in a way that really makes me wonder, like, where's this going? Um, you know, you're you, you get this sense of out of control and you don't know where it's going to stop. So, I mean, that show is, it's like nightmarishly gross, <laughs> which normally, normally doesn't really appeal to like, you know, I've never yeah. really been into like a like gross humor. I never was growing up. I feel like I appreciate it a little more now. And I think the, what she does with it is she takes it to such a, such an extent dream that it becomes absurd or surreal. It's like we've completely exited reality. Um and I really appreciated that about the show. Like there's just no ceiling on it.
0: Yeah. There definitely is no ceiling on that. The the scene (laughs) the scene with the director uh the director who she strong arms into giving her a bigger part. Oh my God. Look that up, people. I'm not even gonna describe it. Um no (laughs) no
1: absolutely not but my (laughs) seafood buffet
0: My favorite scenes are the interactions with um, the woman in the office trying to uh, uh, get off with her. um, No, hang on. Am I thinking of the wrong thing? So her husband is Julian Barrett. He's in Sally Forever, right? Or no?
1: Yeah, yeah, he is. He he ends up getting together. Oh, wait, I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, But he is in it. But there's yeah, lot- the, the co-worker,
0: she's flirting with both Yeah, the, the flirting co-worker,
1: mm-hmm. oh my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, she's so good.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, another genius uh, comedic actress, I can never remember her name, but she was in like Alan Partridge stuff as well, but yeah. So yeah, Sally. S- Sally forever. Alright, so we're gonna skip forward a little bit here because we've got some other ones that are really good and I keep concentrating too much on the early ones. Um Julio Torres's fables, the trials and dramas of mm. his favorite shapes like Gustavo. So this is like an Instagram thing, which for an old man like me is this like <laughs> other world of like I'm seriously just getting into Instagram now. Um so I did a bit of research, so Julio Torres was an Mm -hmm. SNL writer but didn't really get on too well there because he was way too surreal and creative and uh, innovative Mm -hmm. is what I'm reading, but maybe you can explain more.
1: Well, um, I actually watched his special sometime last year. um, Where had I first heard about him? Maybe, honestly, through... Did you watch Los Spookies on... It's HBO. Um, It's a really good, it's a Fred Armisen. It's Fred Armisen, Julio Torres, and Ana Fabrega. Um, But I watched his special, My Favorite Shapes. And that's when I started looking at, um, you know, his Twitter, or um, I don't even, like, I don't even really use social media, but I absolutely loved his special. And he posts, on the the thing I screenshotted for you yeah, yeah. is one of my favorites from his Instagram. Um, but Julio Torres, he's he's definitely one of my absolute favorites. Um, his humor, as you said, is it's very surreal. Um, he has all of these kind of fantastical little fables that he writes um, about his anthropomorphic characters, whether it's a shape or um, I mean, Krisha, one of his characters, looks like a little potato.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, And he's very, very out there, very, you know, otherworldly. But the best part is that, you know, these kind of fantastical um, aesthetics are juxtaposed against um, like very kind of like petty squabbles or drama. Um, I just love, I just love what he does. It's really, really unique. Hmm. Um, And the Gustavo one that I sent to you is, it's one of my favorites, it's like a little frog with a crown. Um, you kind of have to see it, but um, but yeah, I just I would highly recommend his special. So,
0: so that's rem- a reminder to the listeners go to youthinkthat'sfunnypodcast.com where you will find links to these new acts of comedic genius. You need to go there and look them up. All right, let's go to the next one, which is kind of weirded <laughs> me out. Um, so Person names that wouldn't really work for a cat mm. slash dog, things like Anne, David. So you're not mm-hmm. walking around thinking, "What is a good? What is a name that really wouldn't work for a cat or a dog? <laughs> what does that's this like one I mean?" <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is that's one of my favorite games. Um, I don't know where it came from, but I think one I guess theme that I'm. noticing um you know when I came up with the list I was kind of just choosing at random but I realized I think hearkening back to the far side um and and then Julio Taurus where we were just talking about like these kind of I guess relationships between humans and animals and anything um you know related to anthropomorphism so um With cats and dogs, I like to wonder um, what human names just wouldn't work. Hmm. Um, So something like, and and why? So like, for example, if I met a Labradoodle named Lucy, that like kind of seems like that works for a dog. But if I met a Labradoodle named Lisa, I feel like Lisa doesn't really work. Um, Other names that don't really work would be like Anne, David jennifer trish a dog named trish i don't know it's just a game that i play that i like to think (laughs) about sometimes
0: (laughs) (laughs) have you worked out the criteria that you're you're mentally processing here or is this just like a personal i don't know
1: it's i think maybe it's just a personal thing i think i mean mark like have you ever met a dog named mark
0: no actually i haven't That's just actually this is funny. So I know someone, uh, through through people, and she has a cat named Phil, and that's just bizarre. And it comes weird, but it comes from um Futurama, is what it came from. Okay, um, but yeah, a cat named Phil to me is just bizarre, like. I love it. <laughs> Have you, you've probably, obviously you're probably familiar with the whole cats, you know, like the movie and everything. And I love that poem, mm. the naming, naming of cats, because I do stare at my cats and I think, what do they call themselves? Like, they're never going to oh, tell that's me.
1: A good question. <laughs> what, are, what are your cats' names?
0: Um, Well, like we have one called Rumba and Nash and they're, they're we, 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 we adopt them. um, So I'm anti-changing the names, so Mm. they never get Mm -hmm. renamed. So they were named by other people, you know? Um, Okay. So, yeah, I, but I do, I love the naming of cats poem and I love the whole concept of trying to figure out what the cat would call themselves that that's uh, hilarious to me because i'll never tell all i right. feel like
1: that's added a whole <laughs> layer now to the game i'm gonna be thinking about that now
0: yeah yeah maybe the name oh, wow. that doesn't work is the name they're giving mm-hmm. me themselves. Anywho, yeah. mm-hmm. all right let's let's get towards the wrap-up because as usual i have mm. completely gone off. <laughs> um <clears throat> So let's talk about like the uh, the genesis of your sense of humor. Like, mm-hmm. how did Bridget Ronan get her sense of humor? Where's it coming from?
1: Well, I am at the young end of a very large family, uh, like extended family. Um, growing up in the Chicago area, um, my so my mom is one of nine siblings. Um, she grew up in Andersonville, mm-hmm. and, you know, I had tons and tons of cousins. And when we were kids, um, most of them lived in the Chicago area. Now we're now we're more spread out. But um, I would say in part, a sense of humor came from, you know, going like getting together with a family all the time, um, you know, huge family, and I was very quiet, very shy, and I would just kind of listen. And my family's really funny. Like it was, it was all, you know, kind of about banter. Um, and I would just be listening. So definitely um, in part from the family, um, I would say that I have a, like kind of a dark sense of humor, um, kind of that like Irish, American, Catholic, morbid sense of humor, things that I get from my family. Mm. Um, and then being kind of always drawn to fairy tales and anything fantastical and otherworldly, I think kind of set me up to be um, interested in surreal or absurd humor. Um, you know, being obsessed with movies, um, anything that was kind of a, a portal to another world. Um, we also, I mean, we watched a lot of um, a lot of good comedy television um we never had cable growing up so we were very limited to the chicago like the network television we watched a lot of i love lucy um and also a lot of keeping up with appearances um we was watching oh, that show with my mom <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. i hadn't thought about that one in a long time um but watch, i mean watched a lot of comedy um there was just one summer that um in the tv guide which was on the back page of the tempo section in the chicago trib um i love lucy was slotted for 3 a 3 a.m i think on like channel 50 or something and we spent an entire summer like trying to stay up late enough to watch i huh. love lucy determined it never worked um it's probably like eight years old um but always you know loves comedy um I don't know yeah there's so many influences the far side um and kevin and Hobbes, as, as we were talking about yeah. um the whole a whole hodgepodge
0: so do you think part of it might have been were you sort of Like, I I always viewed myself as a very sophisticated humorist. That's why I'm the arbiter of it. Um, But but I I got lucky because um, I really had full access from an early age. Like, Mm. I could stay up late. I could watch stuff. And I feel like if you do that with a kid, they're just going to accelerate, you know. And maybe Mm -hmm. were you accelerating because you were around adults who just weren't, Are we just letting you consume whatever came your way kind of thing?
1: Well, it was a mix. I think on, yeah, that's interesting. I think on one hand, um, I was hearing, you know, adult banter. And that's, you know, so I was listening to like, you know, adult, like, like adult humor and kind of trying to digest it as a young kid, because I was at the the youngest end of the family. Um, But on the other hand, um, our movie and television watching like was pretty strictly regulated. So, but the outcome of that was that my brother and I would try to find ways around it. Like, you know, we became <laughs> so obsessed with movies because, you know, we weren't allowed to see PG-13 movies or yeah. our movies. So it, you know, it became like this, this obsession, like we want to see the good movies. Um, I would say that my fixation is, is in part because of that.
0: Okay. Uh-huh. that reminds me i'm gonna to link to dan's wayne's world piece yeah of yeah this, that's, that's, that we gotta yep. link to that okay
1: that is very much
0: yep <laughs> That said, explain in a nutshell well how do mm-hmm. how do these influences that you have manifest i mean um it, can you mm. point to something and go well this is me letting this out oh
1: wow that's a tough question i mean i would say I have a hard time answering that question because I feel like my entire kind of worldview or, or way of um, digesting the world around me is is through humor. Um, so it it kind of feels like that is. All of me in a way. Yeah, I was say, um, completely pervasive. yeah it is completely to to pervasive. Something. Yeah. yeah okay. It's
0: hard to point to. All right. Cool. Uh, I didn't know if you were the office crack up, you know what I mean? <laughs> like...
1: <laughs> well, I mean not not in the remote world. Yeah. Um
0: Hard working hard or hardly working it's bridget all right okay all right we'll leave it as completely pervasive how about that so completely
1: pervasive (laughs) okay so
0: i sent you a couple of links um trying to guess whether i could whether i i I was pretty sure i could get you because it was such a good match um the first one was a katherine tate link which is one of my favorite pieces is a character she had called Nan Taylor, who was so like my Nan, God rest her soul, that it oh, was always really? gonna be, it was always gonna be, uh, you know, a, a thing. But did you like Nan oh Taylor? Because that was a very big Catherine Tate character.
1: Yeah, and I can't, I well, I can't believe I had never heard of it um, yeah. because there's so there's so much good stuff around that time. Yeah, I'll say I watched these right before. Um, We spoke tonight, um, and I was really blown away by the title sequence. Um, Mm -hmm. It feels very early off in the best way. Yeah, yeah, she's a riot. I, I need to see more of it so that was a recurring character right
0: yeah katherine tate had like her own you know it was the mega hit Mm -hmm. sketch show at the time and so she had a whole Mm -hmm. bunch of characters sort of come out of it nan is my favorite uh she did a a teenage schoolgirl one that i think every kid every person my age oh my god was just like holy crap this was every teenage english schoolgirl ever um oh my god they took that one the whole way to where she did a sketch with tony blair um for part of comic relief so i'll send you more links to that but i was oh kind of god, thinking if you like it. if you like julia davis i'm thinking you know katherine tate's gonna yeah be good. yeah uh. um, because they okay. they weren't like sunny characters; they were just kind of good working class ones. So, alright, cool, uh, <laughs> yay! And then the second one, I thought, because you've got this surreal. Uh, lust lust for the Surreal a mile wide. <laughs> I sent you some Reeves and Mortimer, which is... I'm always going to send that to people. <laughs> Sorry, that's going to be every week. Oh my God. And um, they were kind of like... So you've got the avant-garde of Surreal like with Monty Python and then um, Spike Milligan who felt the Python ripped him off. And then there was this huge revival of it mm-hmm. when old comedy came out and Reeves and Mortimer just blew everyone they were the ultimate like you e- are either gonna love this or you are gonna hate it um oh so i figure God. you're gonna either i figure you're a l- gonna love it person
1: i loved it i loved it and well and i love that you sent me two clips that were so different um the catherine tate felt you know very specific to like to british culture hmm. and then the reeves and Mortimers. you know you're on another planet um yeah. It looks like the set to me looks like if the 1993 internet was turned into an actual room <laughs> and we walked into it. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. I want to watch more of their stuff now too.
0: Oh, I got. And I yeah, got you
1: mentioned really. they're kind of a Mighty Boosh precursor, which yeah. which I can totally see.
0: Yeah. Well, they they Reeves and more and more is just this bizarre mind fart of just surrealism that just mm-hmm. worked for whatever they did recurring characters as well so um but yeah it was just it was just full on I'll, I'll send you some more like was yay we won that we won this week like, I've had a couple of defeats in in recent weeks but we're getting, I think I'm getting better anyway so let's wrap this up I am <laughs> over time as per bloody usual um, but we're gonna talk about what uh, Bridget is up to right now on one specific project I believe
1: Ooh, what am I up to? Um, well, I um, I'm I'm working on a couple writing projects uh, right now that will probably take me, uh, you know, a million years to finish. Um, but just you know, graduated grad school. Um, actually, it's been a little over a year now. I feel like COVID has been this weird. I, I have no concept of how time works anymore. But um, but yeah, just working on my own writing and then. Um, also involved with um an organization called Ronin's Real, um, which which we um started actually in in memory of my brother Dan, um, a couple of his friends from growing up, like from grade school, high school, and I um founded this organization that is really um celebrating Dan's movie obsession. So uh, we've been talking about that, just the, the pervasive um, fixation on movies. Dan is a huge movie lover, and we actually had um, pre-COVID been teaming up with with the the Music Box to to show movies at their theater um, and raise money um, to to put towards addiction uh, treatment and prevention. So um, we, we did some virtual events during COVID, which um, we were really thrilled that the community was super supportive um, during COVID and did some some movie nights. But um, we are really hoping this summer to get back to the music box. Mm-hmm. Um, so stay tuned. Uh, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I miss the movie theaters so yeah. much. Um, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Really miss them
0: move for for movie people this has been the worst mm-hmm. year not just missing the theater but missing the output as well i would think yeah. i mean it's just like mm-hmm. everything i mean other Absolutely. things we've you know other things have sort of soldiered on music and stuff at least you still create it but there's not even any mm-hmm. creation going on in movies so yeah yep all right well we'll have a link to uh, to Ronan's reel on there and oh um, thanks, mark and as usual the Lincoln Lodge will be involved in these things. So um alrighty, <laughs> I think we can wrap it up. I am only fifteen minutes late. So only fifty percent <laughs> over time this week, Mark. Well done. Oh, that's too bad. Alright. <laughs> um <laughs> Okay, well, uh, thank you, Bridget, for joining us. This was most fun.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Mark, and thank you, Christine, and thank you to the Lincoln Lodge. Um, I love the Lodge so much, and I I can't wait to to get there hopefully this summer.
0: Can't wait to see you again. This has been... Absolutely. (laughs) This has been You Think That's Funny podcast. Um, I have totally and completely forgotten my outro yet again. So let's just go to the j- <laughs> jangly guitar music. Thank you very much, Bridget.
1: <laughs> Thank you.